Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Political commentator and investigative journalist. You're with Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks. Hour number two, this live broadcast. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Great to have you with us and appreciate you guys in the TNT chat room. I see some familiar faces in there. Uh, great to see you guys in there. If you're listening on the audio streams, amazing. And we've got a lot of our listeners are still on audio. I know people that are either driving, doing work, cycling at the gym. That's pretty much the best way uh, to listen to this show is through the app, the TNT radio app, which of course you can download on Google Play or the Apple Store. But uh, also on video as well, you'll find our streams on major platforms now, continuous TNT stream, YouTube, Rumble, among others. We'll be sharing some of those links on social media um, as well. So they great to have everybody on the different platforms. And, you know, the whole point is about variety and choice. You'll be able to check out your favorite host, your favorite shows here using the various different platforms and different ways of listening. So um, before the break, we talked about Freddie was great segment, by the way, uh, Freddie Ponton is not only a great journalist, but actually has real world experience in some of these places that we're reporting on. So uh, his experience there, I think informs his opinion and his analysis. And so he's very analytical uh, because he's been on the ground. So he knows what it's like in places like Iraq and Sudan and the Middle East uh, so we really value his counsel on these really important issues. And of course, the issue of international law is huge. I sat in on a, a, a talk with Scott Ritter, a former UN weapons inspector. That was yesterday. I found that to be very informative. And he talked about the uh, the U.S. law as it pertains to these war crimes. So uh, I did the check on myself and on the U.S. Constitution. Of course, it's correct. Uh, there is a supremacy clause, and this is exactly how it should be invoked. So as it stands today, the United States government is in violation of the Constitution. It's supplying uh, bombs and other lethal munitions to Israel that's provably uh, using indiscriminate military force against civilians and ena enacting uh, huge casualties as a result. So the UN is up in arms about this, of course. So the UN General Assembly invoking, I believe it's uh, off the top of my head, I don't have it in front of me. I don't have time to look it up. UN Resolution 377, I think it is. So... Uh, a couple of UN states were fronting this and the vote came in and this was a resolution. Uh, the resolution was the vote is what UN general assembly adopts a re resolution demanding immediate humanitarian ceasefire by an overwhelming 153 to 10 with 23 abstentions. Now the abstentions are interesting. We'll talk about that. Uh, how, so, so here's, Here's the breakdown. So 153 in favor of a ceasefire immediately and humanitarian aid coming in. Unrestricted humanitarian aid. 153 nations, 10 voted against. Who are the 10? Well, I have the votes in front of me. Austria. Well, that's interesting. Austria. Ch uh, Czech Republic. Uh, definitely in the tank for NATO. That's well known. Guatemala. Don't know what to say there. Israel, of course, they're voting against uh, a ceasefire and humanitarian aid. Liberia, 
this is definitely in the tank for Washington. Micronesia, very influential geopolitical superpower. Micronesia, try to find it on a map. I can't. Uh, Nauru, I'm not familiar with this country. I don't know where it is. It could be a small island, probably in the south southeast asian archipelago archipelago maybe i don't know papua new guinea again world superpower paraguay whatever is that where kenneth lay is living i think maybe who knows and of course the united states so 10 countries there so it's really israel the u.s and a collection of also ran countries and austria uh, unfortunately the uh so yeah of course austria is uh in favor of the uh the anschluss the anschluss of uh israel and gaza well there you are who are the 10 abstentions uh well javier in argentina is getting off to a good start bulgaria uh, under the thumb of nato cape verde nice place nobody home cameroon okay francophone country west africa uh, Equatorial New Guinea, Georgia. Georgia has very strong links to Tel Aviv, funny enough, uh, strong military links. Germany abstains. Interesting. And Hungary, interesting. Hungary also has a strong relationship with Tel Aviv via the Visegrad group. Interesting. Italy, Maloney. Uh, that's an interesting story there. Lithuania, Malawi. Marshall Islands, Palau, Panama, the Netherlands, well, interesting, Romania, South Sudan, Slovakia, Togo, Tonga, Uruguay, Ukraine. Ukraine abstains. Well, that's interesting in the UK. So the abstentions are interesting because if you're if you're going to abstain, uh, it means that you don't want to show Israel that you object, but then you don't want to show everybody else that you want to continue the war crimes or the bombing. So it's a bit of a hedge. It's a strategic hedge. Uh, the United States definitely not going to abstain. They're straight in there. But the UK is interesting. So there's a little. I would say there's a little bit of pushback right now in the United Kingdom on this. Certainly, the media coverage in the UK is at least... The Guardian, The Independent, some of these people were on board with the uh, the Israeli military operation in the early days, so their readership pushing back a little bit. Labor Party is hemorrhaging support over this issue. Uh, they, they, they might have actually shot themselves in the foot for the next general election. It's possible. Anyway, the Netherlands, it's also a sensitive topic um, there as well. And the rest, well, you can make it up. Hungary, Italy, I can see where they're slightly uh, in between. And Germany, of course. Germany's providing military aid to Israel, so uh, maybe Italy is as well. So there's, there's a few interesting problems there. But 153 people in the UN General Assembly. So that's most of the world. So most of the world is against the United States and Israel. Not just most of the world, an overwhelming majority of the world. Wow, that should be something. And what are they going to do? Just ignore it, apparently. Just ignore it. So Asa Win Stanley is the editor of Electronic Intifada. And he's, he's, a, he, he's a brilliant researcher. He's a very good writer. 
this website has got some incredible reporting on it. I'm just going to say it's been around for over 20 years. The EI, the Electronic Intifada, they have a good podcast as well. So ASA has uh, filed this report about October 7th and these admissions by the Israeli army. Let's look at his report here on this. We, we talked about this. We serialized some of the highlights from his report at 21stCenturyWire.com. And what is he saying here? That an Israeli police source last month admitted that some of the Israeli people at the Supernova Rave Music Festival taking place near Gaza on October 7th were hit by Israeli helicopters. Uh, the second police source partially walked back that admission. However, new data, new data by the Israeli military. Uh, Zetun wrote that casualties fell as a result of friendly fire on October 7th, but the IDF believes that it would not be morally sound to investigate them. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just uh, quite shocked to read this on one hand, but not surprised on the other. It would not be morally sound to investigate incidents of friendly fire. You can read into that what you want. That's an admission that it's too politically hot to pursue. In other words, anything that is going to undermine the October 7th narrative um, would not would be not be morally sound to investigate. So it seems like there's controversy and a little bit of confusion here as to what to do. What is the right moral or ethical thing to do? There's a lot at stake, ladies and gentlemen. So he also reported that this was, quote, due to the immense complexity quant quantity of friendly fire that took place in the kibbutz and in these southern Israeli communities. The Ynet article, Ynet, is a major Israeli publication uh, up there with the Times of Israel, Haaretz, and the Jerusalem Post. Ynet, it's one of the big five. So their article also reported that at least one-fifth of Israeli army deaths in Gaza since the ground invasion were also due to friendly fire. So Israel has a problem with friendly fire. And this, this kind of belies the assumption and the propaganda we keep hearing how great the IDF is as a military force, how organized they are. It sounds like they have problems with basic stuff, like which targets to hit. So they've got the best U.S. gear. One of the best is the Apache helicopter. Obviously, when you're using it against civilians, it's pretty, well, it's pretty effective. Um, so they've got the best gear, the best kit. They've got the... Plenty of money. It's well-funded. Um, but they might have an issue with training or there's their methods. So they've clearly got a friendly fire issue. So not just against civilians, but against their own people during combat operations since October 13th, since they launched the incursion into northern Gaza. This is what they're saying here. So uh, there's plenty of data points here to back up this. And people should be really scratching their heads and thinking, how, what, what else is untrue about the initial reports here? Um, are there other red flags? Well, there are other red flags. A Asa Wynn Stanley has brought up some of those, uh, have been detailed. The details and the receipts are in the Jerusalem Post, Ynet, and other, and Haaret. So, three of the major Israeli mainstream media organizations now on the western alternative media gray zone the cradle and mondovis 
and Electronic Intifada, all one, two, three, four, four pretty solid alternative media outlets that have pretty long track records of reporting, accurate reporting. They've all contributed different bits of evidence into this. So collectively, it's a good report here by Asa Wynn Stanley. Uh, collectively, to me, it's an open shut case. And I think to anybody that's honest, that's reading it, and is backed up by Israeli data, don't know what to say. Don't know what to say. Looks like a pretty strong case to me. If you're willing to do the research and read, because you're not going to see this on CNN, you're not going to see it from those clowns on Fox or the other Yahoo uh, networks and websites. Uh, you're not going to see it there either. Okay. But we've got it at 21st Century Wire. There you are. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a break right now and connect our next guest, Dr. Neil McRae. On the other side, I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. We'll be back after these messages. Rick Munn on TNT Radio. There was a, a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, web spokespeople, the World Economic Forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there has been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative and she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people to really grab and get their heads around so that's not really taking off the way they want to either and then she said something very interesting she said you know what when the water crisis comes people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water and if you don't have water for a few days at a time you'll know all about it so maybe you know we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a world economic forum type narrative could this be what it is locked in Loaded with Rick Munn on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk it's time to switch on today's news talk radio. Very entertaining. TNT. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. This is TNT, today's news talk. If you're listening to us or you're watching us, we welcome you. We appreciate your listenership, your viewership. Hello to everybody in the TNT chat community. The numbers have been steadily rising over the live two-hour broadcast. Great to see some of you guys in there. A lot of familiar faces. I see a few new faces in the TNT chat community as well. Love the opposition research, the banter, and the memes. Bring it on, ladies and gentlemen. That's where you want to be during this show. That's where that's where you're going to probably meet some new friends, quite frankly. And I've even had the pleasure of meeting people that exist in the TNT chat universe, and I actually met them in the flesh at uh, two festivals this summer uh, in the UK. So there you are. Uh, dreams can come true, ladies and gentlemen. And so we're going to switch gears now. I want to bring on to the program uh, a writer, author, a great political commentator, Neil McRae, 
who's penned a couple of uh, extremely interesting articles at 21st Century Wire. We'll talk about both of those in a moment. Neil, how are you doing? Very well, Patrick. Good to be on again. It's great to have you as well, Neil. Now, uh, we'll start with the serious uh, topic first, and that's about free speech. Uh, we'll have another conversation later, but you've got two pieces um, up at 21st Century Wire. The first one is, I think, very important. Uh, so this is interesting because you've gone out and you've attended some major uh, street demonstrations uh, in recent weeks specifically to do with the, the 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 situation in Gaza and the Middle East and we, we we've all been watching this slow creep Neil over the years uh with the various pieces of legislation that have been passed in the UK and it just seems like uh the the, the vice has been turning gradually over a period of time uh where protests have kind of I'm I remember when you didn't need a permit to have a protest you didn't need to register a permit you'd literally just set it up and you did it those days are long gone and the restrictions are going further now to what placards you can carry is am I exaggerating here Neil what's your experience with this right now as it pertains to the Palestinian issue go ahead well, two important developments prior to this um, latest sort of uh, outrage against what's going on in Gaza, you know, these pro-Palestine uh, demonstrations, uh, two significant developments. One was the, um, the three years of the COVID-19 regime, where it was actually a crime to be at a protest. It really was a crime just to be there. People got arrested at Hyde Park Corner, that very first rally in London. Um, people were randomly, uh, uh, brutally attacked by um, thugs in uniform, the, the Territorial Support Group, which is the, um, the sort of London version of the riot police. Um, uh, brutal treatment by, by, by police officers, just, just randomly picking on innocent, peaceful uh, protesters. Um, and, you know, once the marches got up to tens of thousands, it was obviously impossible for the police to carry on that intimidating tactic. But they did try. They tried to stop people. They tried to make people believe that just attending a protest was too um, scary a, a prospect. The, the other uh, development uh, was um, uh, Extinction Rebellion and Just Stop Oil, mm. because... Uh, I, I believe that they are completely controlled uh, opposition. In fact, they're not really opposition at all. They're, they're, they're actually on the side of the establishment and hardly hiding it. They want more of this uh, climate change uh, re restrictions, uh, net zero and, and all that. Um, but it's a way that they do their protests. They, they uh, block the traffic on main arterial roads, even blocking ambulances. And, and, and the purpose of that, I've always believed, is that um, this is to um, uh, create an antipathy in society against protest, against this um, time-honoured right that we have and what we should have in a civic democracy. And we've now got to the stage, uh, uh, Patrick, where, as you, you, you put it in your intro, uh, we don't know... Um, what placards we are allowed to carry uh, and and of course and of course there's always been 
you know, the, the possibility of getting into trouble if you have a placard that um, um, it, it incites violence or says something really beyond the pale. Um, but now people are being stopped or being discouraged from uh, bringing any placard um, that expresses really quite legitimate and factual concern about what's going on in Gaza. Yeah. So, so that, so let's get this straight. So this is speech. This is speech control. So, okay. So if you, let's say uh, if there was a trans protest uh, or an LGBT protest and, and there's a counter protest uh, and somebody says something like um, they don't agree with, or they need to detransition, detransition. And so the left before Neil, follow me on this. The left would say that's violence against trans people. Just to, to, to have a placard talking about detransitioning, whatever, that's violence against trans. It's, it's, it's speech and it's hurtful, it needs to be shut down. And the police will act on that. The police would, and they probably have acted on similar things in the UK. So, it's, and that, so the right would stand back and the Ben Shapiro's of the world would wave their finger and say, huh? Look at the left. Look at the left. Compelled speech. And Jordan Peterson, this is the end of uh, the English liberalism and the great tradition of the Enlightenment. And now we have those same people that were decrying compelled speech on the left are now telling people that from the river to the sea somehow equates genocide of Jews. Therefore, you can't have a placard that says from the river to the sea uh, because somehow that is violent even though it's a liberation slogan that's been chanted for decades by yeah. pro-Palestinian supporters. Speak to this strange conundrum, please, Neil. Yes, well, uh, as you mentioned, I've attended uh, two of the uh, pro-Palestine rallies um, since the 7th of October, including the enormous one about four weeks ago, I think, where there was, you know, the police said that there was um, uh, 300,000, but it, it, <laughs> it was absolutely enormous. In fact, it wasn't really marching. You were just standing still most of the time because the crowds were so, were, were, were so huge. Um, there, there must have been approaching a, a million there. there. There were people there, Patrick, who'd been at the Iraq uh, anti-Iraq war rallies uh, 20 years ago and and they said that that um, Palestine protest was bigger uh, and, and it's kind of accepted that there was about a million people at the anti-Iraq war uh, rally. Uh, I took a placard that day saying Zionists persecuting Muslims and Christians since 1948. Now at the time I believe that should be well below any threshold um, for, um, you know, to get into trouble with, with, with the police. It, it, it's really just um, expressing an opinion based on, on fact. Um, now I wouldn't be so sure. Uh, there was a man arrested on Saturday at the latest protest um, for a placard comparing the uh, Israeli regime to the, the, the Nazis. Now, I think there's three things wrong with that, three significant things. And we really need to be aware of 
what our rights are and what rights we should have regarding uh, freedom of speech because they are being taken away by stealth. So firstly, to say that the Israeli state is like Nazi Germany is an opinion and it should not be illegal in a civic democracy um, to have opinions um, criminalized um, as long as it's not incitement. And remember, for incitement, the burden of proof is on a court to prove it was intended as such, or at least that's the way it should be. Correct. Yeah. And you, um, need, secondly, you need to, you need to uh, just interject, hold that thought, Neil. You need to show that there is uh, injury um, as a result of that incitement or that there is a real and present danger of some major, you know, potentially putting so many lives at risk and so forth and or property damage as a result. So if you, you that's what the that's the basic level of the court, right? For the burden of proof. You can't just say it potentially could, you know, make someone feel uncomfortable. That that's not enough. But then is it enough? Today, well, I don't know. The Neil. thing is, Patrick, anything now is enough to be arrested, right? Um and sometimes I believe, I mean we saw this with COVID, is that people were arrested with no real intention of taking them to court. Um, being arrested, it's like part of the um, part of the punishment, part of the propaganda, part of the fear and control kind of uh, mechanism, isn't it? Um, mm. But being arrested can still be um, uh, damaging. Uh, you know, I'm on a professional healthcare uh, register, and I would have to tell um, the, the 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 regulatory authority that I'd been arrested. Um, it, it still has, and they keep you now routinely for for twenty four hours in in a in a, a cell in a police station. So being arrested is no small thing. Mm. Um, and then you've got maybe months and months of going through uh, worry about what's going to happen to you, whether you're going to be um, tried and or convicted, and all the legal costs as well. So it, it is not a trifling thing being arrested at all. Um, and you can be arrested now for almost anything um, at a, a protest. I've come close myself um, at least once. The, the, the second thing, though, about what's wrong with this man being arrested for a placard comparing um, the Israeli government or, or state to the Nazis is that um, the state of Israel is not the religion of Judaism. And they're sort of using... Um, Israel as a proxy um, for all Jews. Um, but the, the British police and criminal justice system should not be protecting a foreign country. That has never been its role and never should be. And then thirdly, perhaps most significantly here, is that that man who, I don't know him, but I guess he's a fairly ordinary person who feels very concerned and outraged about what's going on with this massacre in Gaza, which is being done with the support in words and weapons by the British and American um, governments. So his placard, I believe, is a justified view of what's going on. And yet... He is taken to a prison cell and is now facing a possible criminal charge. 
So, so is this, is this what's creeping in here, Neil, is that, you know, during the persecution ouster of former labor leader, uh, Jeremy Corbyn, I'll add Ken Livingston and Chris Williams into that bracket as well. But the IHRA definition of quote, anti-Semitism this is the international Holocaust remembrance association that uh, being pushed by the board of deputies, if you will, in Britain, this is the, I guess this is the high committee of the Jewish community in Britain, uh, really wanting to impose this enshrine it in, in, into institutions like government universities, but in, ultimately into law. So that if you're if you if you're accused of being uh, saying something quote anti-Semitic, and with this very broad definition, which I think is what you're talking about, using Israel as a proxy for all yeah. uh, conversations, all discourse about Jewish people, history, World War II, everything, and just conflating all that together, and the end yeah. result is. Uh, that you actually don't have freedom of speech. And people say, well, you just can't talk about that. Well, that is quite a broad area of discussion now because this definition doesn't seem to have any boundaries, Neil. This is the problem. It just keeps getting bigger. They keep adding things to it as to what constitutes anti-Semitism here. Where does it end? This is the question. Well, I think... What's very interesting about the uh, pro-Palestine protests is that normally protests that arise from the left of the political spectrum are given far more uh, latitude. Um, you know, if you think um, sort of Black Lives Matter, if you think the, um, the green um, uh, protests, uh, and anything to do with uh, sort of left-wing, progressive, woke causes, has tended to be uh, given favorable coverage in the media, given favorable treatment by the police. You, you see that the police don't come to the protest in their full riot gear, which is what they were doing with the COVID protests. It's what they do when there's a, a, a far right protest. Um, and um, it, it, it's what they've now started doing with the um, Palestine protests, which has always been something which has come from the left mm. um, in, in Britain and other Western countries. Universities, the student population has, you know, for years uh, seen Palestine as a sort of cause celeb. You know, uh, often you see students going over the last 20 years or so uh, wearing uh, Palestine badges and, and that sort of thing. Um, and there was the um, campaign to uh, boycott Israeli um, goods. Uh, you know, the, the BDS scheme, I think it was called. Um, uh, I can't remember what that all stands for. Maybe you can. Boy, boy, but, boycott, um, as a boycott, divestment, sanctions. Yeah, BDS, the, global, it, yes. the global campaign. Yeah, very similar to apartheid. Yes, and, and I remember that when Africa. I was lecturing at King's College London, that there, there was quite a few students that were into that. And at the time, I, I was never really very interested in the Israel situation, but I tended to see that um, the students were a bit naive and, um, you know, uh, surely Israel's got a right to exist and it's surrounded by hostile countries and all that. So I was never very sympathetic to people, people that were um, um, sort of preaching about Palestine. And I always get the sense they didn't really know 
much of what they were talking about. But now I now I think I was probably wrong on that. Um, I think that um, there is a real genuine uh, cause of the Palestinian people that I'd sort of ignored over the years. It's only recently that I've come to you know fully understand or more fully understand what what's going on there. Um, and so I would be much more likely to side with the students now. Um, and uh, university um, chancellors and lecturers are well aware that, that most of their student population is on the side of Palestine. They do not like Israel. They don't like what the Israeli state is doing. And, and that includes many Jewish students in, in universities. So I think this is this this has given the authorities an opportunity to show the left because students and other people on the left have watched and done nothing when people on the right have been harassed and persecuted by the state. Their free free speech denied and even sent to prison for um, for expressing their opinions. It, it's happened a lot over the years and there's been nothing at all. In fact, the left has cheered that on. But now 100%, 100%. it's the left with their pro-Palestine protest. It's a left that is under the cosh here. And I think this is a great opportunity for the authorities to teach students an important lesson is that um, it doesn't matter what you think is morally right. We've got the power, mm. right? So the first time people on the left are being told, are being... Uh, given this um, um, boot stamping on their, their, their faces, saying, no, you do not have a right to protest for anything you want. You will only be allowed to protest for the things that we, the authorities, like. So you can go to a protest to support um, um, the Israeli government, for example, as we had that um, much smaller march in London with all the sort of middle-class lovies attending. Um, you can go to that. Uh, you can still go to uh, green um, ideological um, events. Pro-Palestine? No, no. If you if you go to one of those marches, then you're, you're going to be filmed. You're going to have the police watching you. And if you take any placard that, that uh, we, we don't like, you will be arrested. Yep, and, and it might be under the uh, the prevent strategy, or it could be under the one day. Who knows? Under the terrorism act, they they have all yeah. these tools, and they'll they'll deploy them for a lot of different uh, situations that have nothing to do with terrorism, mind you, and certainly nothing to do with you know preventing extremism. That's the prevent uh, strategy. They use them yeah. for politics. They use them for politics now, and for people that are saying you know not so flattering things about the state about the government and their and their policies the, the this is now what the state is engaged in neil is using these tools uh in order to basically uh control dissenting opinion and to intimidate let's be honest that's what it is because you said it neil nobody wants to be arrested and detained for whatever you know for 12 or 24 hours or whatever and so there's a, there's a bit of intimidation there just wielding yeah. that sword. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, and, and I think what, what's um, most in, important here, the, the, the point that I really wanted to get across in, in the article, which is up today on 21st Century Wire, is that what we have here is an, an exertion 
of arbitrary power. And the, the, so if you look at uh, totalitarian states, they don't just run by rules, laws, that people can know what the laws are and, and then just make sure they're on the right side of that. Uh, totalitarian powers always use arbitrary um, force. And this is what we're seeing here. This is the uh, epitome of um, the arbitrary abuse of power, where people do not know whether they are doing something lawful or not. People do not know when they go to a protest whether the placard that they're holding is um, is going to get them into trouble or not. And 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 what what you see at all these big protests, you saw this at the anti-Iraq war protest twenty years ago, and uh, we've seen it with the pro-Palestine protest, is that the controlled opposition of the Socialist Worker Party is everywhere. Mm. They've got stalls everywhere, and they tr they always make sure that their placards. I mean, they do the same at trans rallies and all kinds of woke uh, business as well. Um, but pro-Palestine rallies, um, socialist workers everywhere, and and people may t take sanctuary in um, uh, grabbing a socialist worker placard when they're at the rally, rather than bringing their own, which could get them into trouble, because the controlled opposition placards. Um, you're not going to get into trouble for holding them. Oh, so these are pre-approved slogans. That's kind of the, that's what the accusation you're making there. It's yeah. a pretty so compelling I'll, I'll case, actually. Example. It's a pretty good case. Yeah, go ahead, Neil. Go ahead. Yeah, just, just one example of that, Patrick, so people, uh, the audience know what I mean. So the Socialist Worker placard says, stop the massacre in Gaza. It doesn't say stop the genocide in Gaza. Mm. The socialist worker is very good at uh, giving people the impression they're absolutely on the side of the Palestinians uh, when really, um, I believe they're Zionists. Yeah, or they're, they're, are they pushing the two-state solution canard as well? well the, uh, yeah, I mean that, that that you have to read very much between the lines to see that their their the, the real agenda because you know at first glance you pick up the socialist worker the Morning Star or whatever and it looks like this is um, uh, absolutely pro the Palestinian cause, um, but you know re read on a bit and and there's just as much about anti-Semitism as there is about um, the plight of the Palestinians. Mm. And yeah, yeah, the Morning Star. The SWP, yeah, I've seen these rags. They're, they're always being distributed uh, there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hugely skeptical because I've, I've just seen how ineffective these groups are, including Stop the War Coalition for stopping any wars. Yeah. And they didn't come out for Syria. They pretty much stayed at home. They sat that one out, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, so it yeah. didn't really get get yeah. involved for that. So yeah, lot to be a lot to be uh, desired there. So it is your placard offensive arbitrary police power at Palestinian protests by Neil McRae. That's up at 21stCenturyWire.com. I just dropped that article into our TNT chat community with 120 people right now in the chat room. So you guys click on that link, share that. This is an excellent piece, and I think everybody can relate to this, Neil. Uh, because a lot of people, our listeners, of course, a lot of them have gone to the COVID freedom rallies uh, throughout the last couple of years, and some of them to the in support of the Palestinians. So they can definitely 
relate to what you're talking about here. And I think you've, uh, you know, flagged up some pretty, uh, I think, legitimate concerns here. It's definitely worth the read and a share, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take a break right now with TNT, today's news talk. I'm Patrick Kennedy, your host. I'm here live with Neil McRae from the United Kingdom. We're going to talk about something a little bit different after the break. We're going to talk about the theatrics of politics. All the world's a stage, said Shakespeare. We'll find out what that means in the context of today's globalists. All this and more on the other side, so stay right there. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. That's our Fourth Amendment. Thank heavens and the founders that we have it. Why? Well, let's look at Ireland. They're trying to ram through a bill before Christmas that would authorize the Guardi to enter a house and seize any electronic devices they found if the government somehow found something objectionable, whether liking the wrong post on social media, making the wrong comment, or visiting the wrong website. That is the very definition of tyranny, and it's why we fought a war to throw it off. Hopefully, the Irish will figure out the importance of banning government intrusion like this before it's too late for them. And hopefully, we in the United States never lose sight of how important it is to keep the government at bay. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT. Anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about, man? Look at this stats. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious. Some are easy to miss. But they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. Patrick Henningsen talks on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We're in the final segment of the final hour of this live broadcast. I'm having a great discussion right now with our guest, writer, political commentator, uh, Dr. Neil McRae from the United Kingdom, who's published in a number of uh, online publications and journals, also author of a few books as well. And Neil, uh, you've got a book coming out. when is it coming out? And uh, I'm told by a little bird that it's an excellent book and it's going to be very popular. Uh, tell us about it. Uh, yes, so I've got a book coming out about the climate crisis. And um, it, it was I was hoping it might get out just before Christmas, but I think it may now be uh, immediately into the, the, the new year. Uh, the, the book is called Green in Tooth and Claw, and that's to paraphrase... Lord Tennyson, 
um, who wrote, I think it was about the charge of the light brigade. Uh, mm -hmm. he, he, he wrote the phrase, um, nature red in tooth and claw. Uh, and it, it sort of goes through the, 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 the history of the, the ecological uh, movement and you know some of the genuine sort of um, green movements like it like in Germany and Belgium and other places and the original ecology party in Britain which uh, David Icke <laughs> was a member of um, but meanwhile in the background you, you had this uh, uh, globalist um, organizations like the Bilderberg Group and the Trilateral Commission um, using the green movement as a, 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 a sort of more modern and palatable um, branding of the eugenics movement, which never went away. And mm. uh, just one quick, more quick thing to say about the book. So I, I, I placed Anno Domini as 1968. Um, that, you know, that was a year when they had all those, you know, civil rights movements and protests, student protests in France. And uh, that, that's what 1968 is known for, isn't it? But really, it was anno domini of the globalist um, hijacking of the green uh, movement uh, to use it for its depopulation agenda. And that was the year that Club of Rome started and the year of Paul Ehrlich's book, The Population Bomb. Well spotted. I was just going to say, I thought that was around the time Ehrlich uh, released his great tome, which kind of became, you know, a, a holy scripture uh, for the yeah. movement. Yeah, I'm not, it, it is, it is, there's a religious I, I, overtones. I've called it, I, I, I've called it the secular Vatican, the Club of Rome. And I think it was, Rome was chosen. Uh, mm -hmm. It was chosen because uh, <laughs> this really would be the, um, uh, the, the the sort of base of, of this new um, religion. So yes, the, the book's coming out um, early January. And um, I, I think uh, readers, anyone interested in it, what I can promise is it's not like any other book mm. about the climate crisis. It's not filled with scientific tables and graphs. It is purely um, analyzing um, the, the, the climate crisis crisis the ecological uh, movement um, from a cultural perspective because that's what it is it's it's a it's a cultural political movement there is no science really behind the idea that there's a climate um, emergency it, it, it kind of like writing about covid if you believe covid19 is a hoax which which i do um, then there's no point in you know writing lots of stuff about the science of um, pathogens and all that, because that's not the point, is it? The, the, the point is that COVID was used uh, to get the globalists um, a, 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 a giant stride um, forward. And of course, the climate change agenda is being used for that in a more sort of longer term way. So Green Tooth and Claw, is this the, uh, the title of the book? Green in Tooth and Claw green in tooth and claw coming to finer booksellers near you after christmas in the new year we'll be talking about your book uh, no doubt uh, on this platform and others uh, in due course too so we're looking forward to that it's going to be i i you know i'll 
full disclosure, I was allowed to read a, a little bit of it uh, in the draft form, and I was very impressed with what I've seen. So I think it's going to be uh, amazing. So I'm looking forward to that. And I know you've got a lot of other people there anticipating uh, this book. So well done on the effort. Neil, I know how Thank hard you. it is to put those manuscripts together. Some people spend years, in fact. So, uh, yeah, it's an achievement in itself. Now, uh, you've also got another article. We've got a few minutes left. Let's change gears somewhat. It's a very cheeky piece that you have authored. It's also up at 21stCenturyWire.com. All the world's a stage for our globalist actors there. And what is going on here? There's a few people in your ensemble. Uh, Vladimir Zelensky, Justin Trudeau, Prince Harry, uh, a few others as well. What's going on here, Neil? Um, well, um, Vladimir Zelensky uh, was an actor. He uh, infamously uh, played the role of the Ukrainian president in a popular uh, television series, which is probably uh, predictive priming for the uh, <laughs> Ukrainian people. Uh, and of course, now he's he's president for real. And then you've got uh, Justin Trudeau, the Canadian prime minister, who was a drama teacher before. So he's got some um, um, th thespian um, um, bent in him. Uh, the royal family, um, Harry's um, wife is, um, of course, a, uh, shall I say, a B-list um, <laughs> I think Hollywood that's fair. Actress. Yeah, I think B list. Yeah, she'd probably say A list, of course. But <laughs> she, I, I, I'd expect her to be in an A list film. But I think she's living. I guess she's living the movie, Neil. Yes, but 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 there there, there is of course a lot of acting going on uh, by uh, our leaders across the world. Certainly, Western democracies. Um, Democracy has become a bit of a, a sham, really, hasn't it? I mean, if you look at the US, it's a good example of that. Um, you, you have what we might call an acting president in Joe Biden. So, and, and, and by acting, I mean that in, in, in uh, different ways, really. Um, he's acting in that he's unable, really. He's not got the cognitive abilities anymore to really... Um, perform his role he may have been an astute politician in the past um but he you know he 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 needs a teleprompter he still bumbles his words and um look at how lost he gets uh, on stage you know he wanders off the podium and you know takes refuge in some uh, typically he goes to, to the nearest young girl to uh, sniff her hair i mean we've, <laughs> we've seen plenty of uh, plenty of videos of that um so he's acting in that way but you could also say that he's acting because that election was rigged. You know, it's completely controlled by the CIA, the 2020 U.S. presidential election. And there are some who believe, uh, because Biden is clearly, uh, he doesn't know what day of the week it is. You know, I mean, I, mean, I, I get this magazine, um, Patrick, uh, you might read it too, um, uh, Foreign Affairs. You know, it's, it's, it's a Council on for, Foreign Relations um, publication. So it's a Washington deep state publication. And, and throughout, they refer to Joe Biden as if he's making all these important decisions and how, uh, how 
uh, uh, progressive and uh, proficient he is at sorting out the world's uh, problems. Um, but, you know, most people aren't fooled. They, they do not believe that Joe Biden is making any decisions uh, at all. And there are some who suspect that the uh, <laughs> real president is, is, a con is a continuation from a man who's already served two terms, which is Barack Obama. Uh, that he's still in, in the background. Um, he, he's still um, uh, <laughs> the, ma the man that's really in charge. I don't know what to make of that, but uh, it is. I, I it, uh, listen, stuff. there's there's a lot of credence to that, Neil, because the all the staffers that are cocooning Biden are all B Obama loyalists, and Barack uh, lives not so far away, which is unusual for ex-president to have residency in D.C. Okay, we're just saying. So it's not far-fetched at all, by the way. Yes. And then you've got the acting um, by uh, Barack Obama himself. Um, again, you know, I'm not um, casting um, any, any aspersions in any sort of absolute way here. But, you know, I, I, I don't think the, the matter of his uh, birthplace has ever been fully satisfactorily resolved. I mean, there is, there is some, you know, suspicion that he was actually um, born in Kenya, which would have made him invalid uh, as uh, US uh, president. And, you know, again, this is not me saying this, I'm just re re repeating or reporting what, what um, is rife on social media, is that, um, uh, M Michelle Obama is not actually Michelle Obama. It was interesting, her book, uh, best-selling book called Becoming, Becoming Michelle Obama. <laughs> and, and, and maybe that's true. Maybe she is somebody who became Michelle Obama and uh, that actually it's a, it's a chap called Michael Robinson who, um, uh, Barack Obama, who that's not his real name, by the way, um, had a... <laughs> <laughs> it was his, his his gay lover over the <laughs> for, for for many years. <laughs> what do you make of that, Patrick? <laughs> I have no idea what you're on about, honestly, Neil. Um, <laughs> it's just wild speculation. I mean, how Indeed. gratuitous of you! How gratuitous of you! Um, <laughs> so, hey, listen, people are talking about all these things. Uh, so, these are, this is a big topic of conversation. Obviously, we're not going to give. Uh, any uh, oxygen to any of these wild <laughs> conspiracy theories that uh, Neil's uh, positing here? No, I think I think I think all in good fun, and you know, uh, there's people that are speculating about a lot of things. About let, let let's let's be honest, Neil. Um, <laughs> palace intrigue, illegitimate paternal claims. This goes back hundreds of years, so of course these things happen. Anyway, it's just all part of the theater that you're talking about. All the world's a yes, stage. Yes, and, and there's yeah. there's degrees of this. So any claims that a leader is a different sex and what they actually are. So you you see you you see that about Jacinda Ardern, for example. I mean, a lot of that is really well, I think really far fetched. Um, yeah, but but. Um, I, I think far more believable is the um, suspicion that um, uh, Justin Trudeau is not actually the illegitimate child of Fidel Castro. Look, we're running, we ran out of time. It's top of the hours here. Neil McRae, the articles at 21st Century are all the world's a stage for the globalists. 
it's there and go read that share it and uh, you'll enjoy that neil thank you for joining us this week on tnt thank you patrick See you again soon. There he, Bye. there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. Never a dull moment. That's all we got time for today. Patrick Henningsen signing out. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you here tomorrow. All the best. Mm-hmm.